Welcome to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at dtcpod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we're joined by Julia Perez, who's the CMO at Owen. So Julia, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about Owen? What's the brand all about? Yes, Blaine, thanks for having me today. Um, so the brand Owen, it's um, Owen stands for only what you need. We're a plant-based nutrition company, and we are best known for our ready-to-drink protein shakes. Um, I know this is a D2C pod, but you might have seen us at um, Whole Foods, Target, Walmart, Kroger, Sprouts. Um, I mean, we're everywhere. Um, and the interesting thing about our brand, besides that we're plant-based and we have super clean ingredients, um, we're also top eight allergy free. Um, and I think this is something that, um, you know, people might not know about us, but we actually have a very strong medical roots. So, um, the brand was founded with this passion to fill a gap in the space, um, for safe and delicious allergy friendly, um, products. I think like in the past, um, when you think of like allergy friendly, um, alternatives. They're kind of crunchy and maybe alienating for someone with a different food allergy. So our products are all third-party tested um, for the top eight allergens. So nuts, tree nuts, eggs, soy, wheat, gluten, um, dairy, I'm thinking what I forgot, <laughs> fish, shellfish. And, and it really matters because, you know, with, if you don't have a food allergy, we all know someone that has a food allergy, um, whether it's a sensitivity or something that's life-threatening. It's very serious. And even if you're buying something like, let's say, like an oat milk and you have maybe a peanut allergy um, and the lines are not, it's, they're not tested. So if it's from, it's in, made in the same facility, it can be very dangerous to someone who has, you know, a serious condition or even someone who's sensitive to one of the ingredients. So that's a big, you know, a big part of what we do um, here at Owen, and really we're we're on a mission to take over the protein space at large. So while we are allergy free and while we are vegan, we don't see just vegan brands as our competition. We really want to clean up the space. Um, the category at large is just, you know, we can get more into it later about how it's very con you know confusing for consumers, and it's been that way for a reason because brands have been able to get away with it. They can make things cheap. They can mass produce. Um, we're all about transparency. We're all about cleaning up the market. Um, and, you know, our mission is really to empower our consumers and to understand the difference between a healthier for you product rather than one that just kind of says so. Yeah, absolutely. And the one of the things that I'd really like to kind of get into is I like how you kind of are able to like talk about like what the general product is, but what the broader market is and where things can kind of go from there. Um, so the, the question that I'd have is like starting out what, like when the brand started out was the target specifically like, um, allergy sensitive, uh, people who are looking for like a plant based sort of 
nutrition or solution or or what was it and how does that like branding and positioning kind of evolve? Yeah. So in the beginning, I mean, I think we all we have like a bullseye target and then we have like a wider market. So, you know, we definitely didn't want to create something that was just speaking to a customer that, you know, has another thing I should mention is that we don't contain artificial sweeteners. We don't contain sugar alcohol. So we also work for people with health conditions such as like different GI disorders or IBD, um, Crohn's, IBS, different autoimmune conditions. So while we didn't create the product, I would say like specifically for one specific consumer, um, you know, that's where our roots are. One of our founding members has a son with severe food allergies and he was frustrated after like countless tests and countless you know, trips to the grocery store to find something that was delicious, looked cool, and, you know, also was safe for his son to consume. So that's kind of how it was, um, it was birthed here. But when we think about the market at large, there's just a huge opportunity to innovate in this space and to really like attack this space. And I think when like we could, I mean, protein powders and, and sports nutrition is a whole, you know, it's another, it's a whole different category. It's another part of like what we do because we do offer protein powders, but to keep it simple for now, I think we can talk about protein shakes. So when you think about protein shakes, there's a few of our competitors that are really well known and have done quite well in the medical space. And they're known as being like a medical brand. Like this is something that like someone in my family takes because they can't get their nutrition in another way, right? It's like a very medical focused brand. It's not cool. You don't want to walk into yoga or a gym with that brand because that's not what the brand is serving. And then there's brands that have done a really, you know, great job in the cultural space. You see them at sports games. You see their logos, you know, everywhere. Um, your favorite athletes might be carrying them, right? But there hasn't been a brand that has addressed both. And why not, right? So I think Owen has been the first brand that has done that well and will continue to do that well. We resonate with mass. We work in the medical channel. And, you know, we're addressing this medical need, but we're still a bad friend. We're still cool. We have delicious flavors. We work with celebrities. Um, you know, supermodels are caught. Um, you know, Kendall Jenner is out buying us at, you know, a gas station and paparazzi took photos of her. Lizzo bought the product organically on TikTok. It was filming herself um, doing a taste test. So we have the cool factor, but we also speak to this, you know, medical needs. We're not leaving that consumer out that has a medical challenge. We're bringing them in to, you know, the fold. Yeah, I, I definitely know about the cool factor because I've, I've seen you guys pop up and uh, like I think you guys have done a really good job as like you scale getting the product in the hands of the right people. And that's something I definitely want to get into. But before we go there, why don't we talk a little bit about your background? What, um, you know, what is some of the work that you've done and why don't you talk to us a little bit about your career trajectory? before ending up in the CMO position at Owen. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we can take it way back to when I was a Red Bull girl in college. And I think that was my first entrance into beverage marketing and, you know, CPG and really understanding, you know, how field marketing um, and promotional marketing works into a larger channel. Learned a lot there, like the different, um, I mean, rentals, like the best to do it when it comes to field marketing. So that was a great foundation. And then, you know, when I got um, far along in my career, moved to New York City, I was working at a boutique digital agency and we were definitely the pioneers in that blogger space, right? Like that, that's when they were called bloggers. They weren't even called influencers. 
We were launching Instagram campaigns, um, Snapchat, Tumblr. There was something called Power Pinners. Um, and I was working with um, Hain Celestial and a number of their, um, you know, their healthier 4D brands and aligning them with different um, different uh, bloggers and influencers at the time. And I really realized like, wow, I love working in wellness. Like I had, we had beauty and fashion clients too. That's what I originally thought I wanted to do. But I was really doing a great job with these gluten-free moms that were, you know, making money through power pinning. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. Um, but then I wanted to go in-house and um, eventually found myself um, getting certified in holistic nutrition because I wanted to stand out. And I was like, maybe I'll work for like a healthy brand um, and be able to, you know, network at SoulCycle instead of like being out at events. Um, I just knew that like staying out late in New York City and networking that way, it wasn't going to work for me. I was like fighting against what I wanted to do, um, you know, like my true interests and then like my work interests. So um, you know, got certified in holistic nutrition, landed a job at Core Water. Now, this is back. I mean, Core Water is like very well known now. Um, you know, they had a very successful exit to Cure Dr. Pepper in late 2018. So people, a lot of people know about them now. But when I started, I was the first digital hire there. And we, you know, there was barely a, an Instagram at the time. And, um, you know, the the challenge there for me was create a brand out of, you know, and water, when it comes to water, it's all about marketing because, you know, the taste, you know, it differs, but really it relies heavily on really great marketing. So, you know, create a brand and a personality out of this beautiful water bottle and tell a story. So, um, you know, started there, really just kind of aligned the strategy. I mean, we had a big celebrity background with Demi Lovato, Ellie Goulding, a number of different um, celebrity investors. We had a bi-coastal story. So I aligned our content with, um, this is but way before TikTok, of course. Um, and, you know, we weren't a D2C brand. It's again, it's water. We, it's all about distribution. Um, but what I did there is aligned the brand with different micro influencer trainers and people in the fitness industry in New York and LA. We were at, um, we had a great field marketing team. We were at every single relevant event in um, a number of hot cities across the U.S. And yeah, we had a successful exit. And um, that's when I caught the startup bug. And I was like, wow, this is really fun, like building something amazing. And, you know, whatever becomes of it, watch it go on its way, stay with it. But just building something when you don't know what it's going to be. It's just like it's so, so interesting. And so after that, I consulted for a few brands, um, took a break from, you know, wanted to make sure I did the right move going in house, consulted for a few food and beverage brands. And um, eventually went to a sports nutrition brand, like a fully e-commerce brand. I mean, they're in, they're in retail now, but that's another story. Um, learned a lot about sports nutrition there and a lot about e-com. And then I went to Owen, which is where I'm at now. <laughs> Pretty much a lot in like fitness and health. It's just, just like my absolute passion. Yeah, you, you, you've done it all and seen it all. So I'm really excited to kind of get into like some of those themes that have been um, recurring through, throughout your career. And the one thing that I, that's really interesting is having seen, having seen it all the way from being, you know, like a Red Bull girl and doing that all the way through running digital at core when they were scaling up to now being in the CMO seat at Owen. Um, I feel like you've been able to have perspective on this kind of segment over the course of you know, a couple of years now. So 
one thing I'd kind of love to unpack is like, if we put our hat on, like we're, you're, you're giving advice to someone who's like starting a beverage brand in the health or wellness, you know, coffee, whatever, like some, they've, they've come up with a beverage and, and now today it's not like a couple of years ago where there, there weren't, it, it seems like there's a lot more beverage brands popping up today uh, more than ever. Right. So what are some of those lessons that you could take and apply from whether it's Red Bull, Core, Owen, et cetera, about if you were in the early innings of like launching a brand in the beverage space, how would you think about that? Like what would some of the first and most important things be in terms of like building a strategy? Right. I mean, right away, I'm thinking about the team. Um, there's a common thread in all of the brands that I, you know, that I've been at and that have been successful is it's, it's really all about the team. And understanding, I think it's really important to have someone in the content position, especially because they're speaking to, you know, the consumer digitally. You really have to have someone that understands the brand. Um, I think that, and you know, I'm not the only one to say this, there's so much buzz about how, you know, there's all these content creator positions going in-house. And I'm not necessarily saying to do that, but I'm saying the content, like your content to the consumer, it has to be perfect. So I think finding someone who deeply understands the brand, deeply understands the lifetime, the lifestyle that you're trying to convey um, is, is paramount, um, as well as just like the larger team. I think know your strengths. Um, as a CMO, I don't know everything. That's not the point. The point is to know your strengths and to know, you know, how can I build a team um, that can fill the things that I'm maybe not so good at and, and, and how can I play to my strengths? So that's less about, you know, the brand and, you know, launching a brand, but it's more about like the foundation, I guess. Um, so I'd say those two things would be like the first thing I'd think about. And then, um, number three is focus. Um, I think, you know, Owen, is a great example. I, I wasn't with Owen from the beginning, but they had a very strong start in the natural channel before trying to scale up. Um, so again, I know this is a D2C pod and we do have a very successful D2C business, which we can get into later, but the brand was born in the natural channel. So think like Sprouts Markets, Whole Foods, Fresh Market, um, you know, get really, really playing to our medical and our clean nutrition roots. Um, before trying to scale up. I mean, now we're in Walmart, we're in select VJ's locations, we're in Target, um, we're in Kroger, we're in Publix, we're in Mass, but we didn't just try to go that way after like, you know, being on DSC for a few months or a year. Like it it takes time, you have to stay focused and um, before you try to scale out. Um, and then another thing I would say, I guess um, really understand like, don't try to fit like a square into, is it like a peg into a square, a square into a peg? You know what I'm saying? Don't try to like force things. I think like, again, this is like a D, very D to C thing. You might agree, but there's some brands that are trying to like, let's say as an example, force subscriptions. Um, you know, not everyone needs to do that. Like stop looking at your competitors and seeing like what they're doing all the time because you need to really just stay focused on your brand and how your customers use it. I think there's a few brands out there that, um, you know, just in general, like not calling anyone out, but like, for example, Owen works on subscription because it's a daily, it's part of a daily routine. 
And going back to our medical roots, you know, there's thousands of customers we have that Owen is the only protein shake they can consume um, because of the different health challenges they have. So really, like, again, understand your consumer and understand what's the best way that we can, um, you know, push a strategy. Don't just don't just work on a strategy because you see other incredible brands um, doing something. You know, I don't adapt everything that I see. Like it's like shining colors. You have to stay focused. I don't adapt everything that's amazing just because it's working for another brand. So know your strengths. Yeah. And I think one thing that you mentioned there that's really important is understanding what your business is, understanding what your product is, where your distribution is and where your competitive advantages are. Because the example you just gave, like you said, Owen is perfect as a subscription product, but also uh there's something about it in the way that people are consuming it that actually really lends itself to subscription. I like as a consumer, right? Like I can have a couple of my favorite, most like favorite products in the world, but I'm not going to subscribe to them because of factors that are maybe like outside of the brand's control. Like maybe I'm, you know, traveling every other month. So I don't want to have to even deal with like managing a subscription. And from the brand's point of view, they want me subscribed because that means like predictable revenue, et cetera, et cetera. But if it's a beverage product and I'm going to be in a different city next week, like I have no interest in, you know, getting a notification saying, oh, your package has been delivered for your beverage. And I'm like, not there to get it. And that's nothing. That's no knock against the brand. I'm going to order that package as soon as I'm back because I have a relationship with that brand. And when I need it, I'm going to order it. But I think like to what you're saying, a lot of brands just think of it in terms of black and white and are just like, you know, we need subscription, not thinking about like, oh, how does this product fit into the person's life? How does subscription become an accelerant to that customer's relationship with our brand as opposed to a hindrance or something like that? Right. As marketers, sometimes we sometimes we complicate it. And all it really takes is going back into the customer's shoes. And that's something that um, I'm continuously learning. It's like we have to get out of our marketing bubble sometimes and and put ourselves you know back into the customer's shoes and um and that's really what a cmo's role uh, really is it's being that like voice for the customer it's being that um you know you're you're the number one voice to drive their needs forward for the brand so con- constantly thinking of thinking about it you know from their perspective um, is key. Get out of the marketing bubble and um, and go back to really what the simple foundation of what marketing is, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, and kind of piggybacking off that, I'd love to kind of get into, you know, as a CMO, what some of those like functions and responsibilities are that you oversee and, and how you kind of tie all of them together, right? So like, you know, for Owen, like you said, you guys are distributed nationally you have uh, a whole bunch of different channels you have a whole bunch of different um products and ways that you're marketing and and things that you're overseeing so why don't you just give us a breakdown of what some of those functions are that you oversee and then kind of how they roll up into the bigger picture yes absolutely i mean at any omni-channel high growth um startup it's super busy um, I'm personally super hands-on um, because we really love getting in the weeds, like the whole management team at Owen. It's like we're, we really treat it like it's our own. So um, I'll tell you how it works at Owen, but um, I manage a team um, of that, you know, every marketing vertical rolls up to me. 
So everything from retail marketing. So like think about the shopper marketing, the point of sale, um, and then, you know, the field marketing, the demos we're doing in store, and then we got digital. So social media content, um, influencers, performance marketing, because we are omni. So we have, um, a great D2C business, thriving Amazon business. So performance marketing as well. So we work with two different agencies, um, you know, to drive that. So driving them, um, retention, email, SMS, I mean, you name it. Yeah. And, and one of the other really fascinating things about like the CMO position in CPG is like the company scales up is that it starts to become kind of, it's almost like more fun because like if you're just D to C, then you have like one way of selling to the customer. But when when the customer can like go down to their Whole Foods and know you're going to be there, all of a sudden that relationship starts to like have so much more depth and it, like different levers that you can pull. Right. So I'd kind of love to just at a high level, we don't have to go too far into the weeds into any of them, but I'd love to like um, even like just talk about how you're able to like stitch that together and maybe talk about some of the ways that that brand messaging and voice is able to stay consistent across all of those channels right so like you know one you just mentioned that would be i think a lot of fun to get into is like like you were saying even the messaging and the marketing and how you're talk how you're like training your field reps or your sales when you're when you're dealing with the actual like point of sale so like what goes into that um and how do you guys think about bringing Owen into your, you know, retail location. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is just like, this is what makes it so fun, but also very challenging. And again, like going back to staying focused on what your brand is delivering and what, you know, what your brand's mission and purpose is, because it's really easy to like see what other, you know, um, peers are doing in the space that might be more D to C or might be more Amazon and you might want to try things and test things out. But again, going back to, you know, the customer's position is that we are not a D to C exclusive brand and nor is that where, you know, the majority of our growth is coming from. So while it might be fun to do all these fun D to C tech, you know, implementations all the time, it's not, it's not necessarily what, what Owen needs to be doing. So again, like staying focused on what's driving your business and not getting distracted with, with what competitors are doing is key. Um, so yeah, going back to retail, I mean, we have the most amazing sales team and they have done such a tremendous job of growing this brand. Um, just in 2022, the brand has exploded out retail. So it's really important to keep up with that. And, um, you know, I really think of D2C as our opportunity to get to know the customer on a deeper level because you're not going to get those you're not going to get that, those insights from really from Amazon, as you know. So D to C is kind of like where we get to know our customers more personally um, from like a customer experience, from retention, understanding what drives them and what their needs are, what they're asking for on the innovation side and just their habits. Like how often do they buy a win? Um, you know, how many of them are subscribing? What's the reason for their subscription? So D to C to me is like our data for the customer. It's like a sample size of, um, of customers. And then um, for retail, yeah, like it's, again, it's very important. Like when you have a field marketing rep out in the field, um, again, coming from Red Bull, where we were trained so specifically on how to speak to the product, you know, you're not allowed to say free, you have to say gift, like you have to hand a pamphlet with every single, you know, 
um, bottle that you give out. Um, bottles in hand, as we say, is a huge goal for us this year because we, again, because of our D2C metrics, we know that we have an incredibly high return rate. So we know that once we get them in, like we can justify that ROI. We can justify, you know, certain events at certain locations where there might be like a great retail presence because we know once we get them in, you know, there's, you know, a great chance they're going to return. We know what that LTV looks like. So investing there, for me, it's a simple decision. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to train them. You have to quiz them, whether it's over Zoom or over, you know, over the phone. Um, even when we have different event partners that are working, because not every um, retail store or every event is going to allow you to bring your own team in. That's just like, that's a retail thing. They might have like, a retailer might have a team that they work with. So it's really on you to make sure. Um, and same thing with sales associates. We do this too for sales associates sometimes. Send them a care package of your products. Send them a one sheet about, you know, what each of them do, what type of customers resonate with what type of product. Um, really get, again, like treating it like your own. Every single detail counts because otherwise it's a waste of money. I don't want anyone... I don't want a sales associate or like a field marketing rep in in the field not able to sell the product. So just do whatever you can to to make sure that they understand the mission, the product. And, you know, we have three different products that are out there, um, three different ready to drink shakes that are out there. So which customer, you know, is going to select which shake and why? Uh, that's yeah, that's really cool. I think being able to really make sure that you have unified messaging is, of course, so important. And I'd love to like kind of even unpack what you were talking about, about the the Red Bull stuff. That's super interesting. So they gave you like really strict guidelines for how you were supposed to give out the Red Bull and where you were supposed to be. And Leah, what, what were some of the details of that? Uh, because one thing that sticks out to one thing that sticks out to me about the whole Red Bull campaign is like we know everyone knows where Red Bull is today. They're literally everywhere and it's like a, an absolutely iconic brand. And it's it's so funny because like you I feel like there was an era where people were like trying to replicate stuff that like Red, Red Bull was doing. But like even now, like when I really think about it, like Red Bull's so unique in the way that they were able to like really be everywhere and hand out the Red Bulls and be in the right places at the right time. So like yeah, what, what what was it like working on that team, and what are some of the the lessons from there that you have uh, continued to apply throughout your career? Yes, um, I mean, oh my gosh, so many. It's so iconic, and I think so many brands have tried to replicate it, and you know, haven't done it. Um, the attention to detail there is just unmatched. So I'll give you a few examples. Um, they might sound random, but I'm just I'm gonna remember as they come. So number one, no one was allowed to have Red Bull gear unless it was, unless you were a Wings team member. Um, so the Red Bull girl, the Wings team member. So I was a member, I, I went to school in Philadelphia. So um, like we had different jackets, we had different hats and vests and things like you could get fired for giving them to someone else. I think someone might've gotten fired for giving it to someone for like a Halloween costume. So like your backpack, it's it's you have to work for Red Bull. The only time they do merch is when it's like events. So it'll be like a Red Bull Flutog uh, event was one that I worked, for example. And it would say Red Bull Flutog, you know, 2013, whatever it was. And that was something that, um, you know, was allowed to be sold or gifted. But like the Red Bull gear, not allowed. Um, we were only allowed to wear, I believe it was one Red Bull item at a time. Um, so we couldn't have like a hat and a parka. 
it would only have to be, you know, I think it might have been two because we went to a lot of ski resorts and I feel like we had to have a, a matching hat. Um, we all, we had to give a pamphlet with every can because it was all about the education of the product, which I, I you know, to this day, I'm like, we can't just be giving out cans uh, or bottles blindly, especially with like a, I don't want to say a complicated product, but our product requires education. So, and so does Renful. So you need to be giving that pamphlet out. Um, what else? I mean, you had to be no, uh, you had to be with some with a Wings team member. So it had to be two of you on a on a mission. That was our like job that we called. Pull it out of the backpack. You couldn't pull it from the um, the car. I mean, we did sometimes, but it was frowned upon. Pull it out of the backpack. Gipped it with one hand in the pamphlet, one hand in the bottle. And then lastly, we had to say that it was a gift. We were never allowed to say that it's free ever, ever. And we would have people test us too. We, it would be like, um, you know, we wouldn't know it, but someone would be following us on like a mission and, you know, send a friend to ask for a rent bowl. And, you know, that's kind of how we were quizzed. So fun times. That's, that's awesome. And, but it just goes to show that like, I guess on the consumer side, you know, I, I remember I've been like handed out Red Bulls. I ha I remember when I was on um, college campus, like I think it was like our freshman year at Harvard, uh, they came and Red Bull dropped like all like a pallet of like cases in like the middle of like the yard or something. And we all like ran, ran and like everyone tried to like grab them. And we had like Red Bull all semester. It was awesome. And then other times, um, you know, they drive through and hand out and everyone would obviously be trying to get the Red Bull. But I think what what's really interesting in terms of what you said is that, you know, from my perspective, I didn't know there was something about it where everything was like very uniform and very well executed and everything like that. Uh, so it becomes it's obvious to the customer, but it's not like I had no idea that like that's what you were told. Right. Like I just felt like that's what it was. And I think that the really important lesson there for a lot of brands is to do things right, like. There needs to be very solid processes in place and you need to, it, it can't just be random. It really needs to be like well thought out and really well executed. And, and where you see that is in, is in the results, right? Right, right. Exactly. And I think, you know, Renful is a larger brand. So I understand if smaller brands maybe don't have the resources to produce like, you know, such a specific like handbook for their field marketing team. You know, I get it, especially with how high, you know, how fast growing everything is these days. But I think, yes, it's important to really, it, it's, it's some of these details sound silly, but they're extremely, extremely important. And you have to explain I, a big thing that I'm working on and I, and that I'm very passionate about is explaining to your team why, why, you know, certain parameters are in place so they can see the larger vision of really understanding, no, no, this small detail ladders up to a very big, you know, macro, macro lens of how your brand is perceived and really like just walking them through that. Um, I think that's, that's hugely important, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot to learn from, from brands like that. And I think even at an early point in my career, it's something that I've been able to take with me, um, you know, to this day and i have a great passion for field marketing and something that we're growing this year um but um, i have a great passion for it because it's um, it's oftentimes a customer's first touch point with the brand and if you have a good product you should not be afraid to just to sample it and get those bottles in hands 
Yeah. And one thing that you just mentioned that I think is so, so important and is probably something that you really see at the the CMO level because your job is by nature so cross-functional. You're working with so many different people and there's so many parts of the businesses that roll up into that. But what you said about how important it is for people to understand like the why behind different things is like, it's so important when you're in that cross-functional role because if if a detail is important and you're just like, oh, and do this and you expect everyone to remember everything, sometimes by them understanding the, oh, that's why that little detail is important, like that makes all the difference in the world because if you think it's something's important in your head and someone else just like thinks it's something that they can gloss over and totally miss it, then you're going to be on two, two totally different pages, right? So that communication layer, especially when you're working cross-functionally into projects that roll up into the core functionality and brand of the business are super, super important to be able to 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 get right. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I've been very, um, you know, lucky with the two, um, well, a few bosses that I've had um, that have been great leaders, you know, one being at core and my current, you know, um, supervisor at, at Owen is just like explaining constantly, this is why we do this. This is why this is important you know, this small detail letters up to this larger plan. And, uh, you know, as something that I, it's, it's really, it's just communication. It's great communication. And um, as a manager and as a leader, um, especially when you're leading, you know, the entire marketing team to carry out and to be responsible for their results and to own their verticals. I mean, it's, it's key. You got to show up with a lot of energy every day and there's a lot going on. But if you don't have every conversation matters, um, at least that's how I try to really, you know, I, I take it really serious. OK, so um, so moving on from there, you also mentioned field marketing, right? Um, so given that you have so much personal experience, like doing stuff in the field and then overseeing this sort of activation at core and at Owen, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you know, field marketing, how, how do you do it? What's important when you're thinking about it, when you're getting your product, whether it's Owen, whether you're doing these in-person activations, like how are you thinking about it? How do you prepare for it? And, uh, what's, yeah, what goes into the strategy behind field real IRL marketing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, at Owen, um, I wouldn't say we're dipping our toes in and I wouldn't say we're like, you know, growing it super fast. I would say we're in the middle right now. Um, like we don't have, you know, a full field marketing team, which I think is really surprising to, you know, to different brands that I talk to. So it's not a huge part of, uh, you know, what we're doing, but it's something that again, like working for a brand like, oh, and we have to prioritize We're we're a very lean brand. We do things in, ver in a very smart way and we're all about testing. So right now we're in the testing phase of a few different field marketing programs and we're focusing on i mean we have um a great presence in new york so we do a number of influential um you know fitness events in in new york and then of course like the the retail demos that you know, where you might see someone sampling the product at like a, a retail location or a gym um so we do a number of that in new york because new york's a huge market for us um and then in south florida so i'm based in miami and we have an incredible, um, you know, partnership with Publix and they've been great partners and the brand is just, you know, on fire at Publix and 
We have um, two SKUs there right now, our complete nutrition, which is like an adult nutrition with, um, you know, supplemental vitamins and minerals. And then we have our 20 gram Tetra 4 packs. And then we'll have, um, you know, stay tuned for more because we're going to expand there. But um, they've been a really important partner for us. So um, and naturally, you know, there's a huge fitness community in, in South Florida. So we've been focusing on, I would say, New York and South Florida. And I mean, for me, this is just, this is super fun for me because as we talked about before, I'm very, you know, involved in the wellness and fitness scene. So it comes a bit natural, um, but, you know, um, really developing our teams there, again, getting bottles in hands, but also we're doing some tests. Like we want to, again, we want to be smart about it. We are a lean brand. We're still a startup. So we're not just going to build out a whole field marketing team and, you know, and go from there. We're like we have a D2C business, we have an Amazon business, we have so many other focuses we need to focus on. So we're gonna we're going to be doing testing over time. So there's ways to test the velocity in different retail locations um, over time to see, okay, if we invest in field over X amount of time, you know, what's the influence on in in the different retail location? So again, we're not growing it like wildfire right now because we're still in the testing phase and that's something that we do a lot at Owen. We're very, very data-driven. Um, and then in the past at Four Waters, so Core is a little bit different because there was no D2C. I mean, we had it and we had Amazon, but not until, you know, the end, um, right before we, you know, were acquired. But we really built the brand through field marketing and I can't really take credit for, for all of that. I had an amazing field marketing team um, and a great VP of marketing there. But, you know, Coors, I don't want to say our, our entire strategy, but a very, you know, big part of our strategy, we had build marketing in LA, uh, Miami, um, New York, Philadelphia. Um, I'm forgetting a few, but again, like I said, we were in every single, uh, you know, relevant fitness event. We were with um, different news stations and, you know, anything local and cool that was going on, you know, if there was a water brand there, it was Core. It was not Fiji. Um, is not Essentia. It was core. And um, it was, you know, it was a great, it was a, a lot of fun to do that. Uh, but yeah, the Owen, I'd say we're still, we're really still in the testing phase. And we, if the velocity comes, great, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Awesome. And the next thing I want to talk about that, like, I guess, kind of folds into that same, not that same umbrella, but like an adjacent umbrella would be uh, creator and influencer sort of strategy. So have you have you worked with um, creators and influencers to be able to tell the story of Owen uh, digitally, or like how do you think about that, and how does that make part of the the storytelling and the the go to market for Owen? Yes, absolutely. So when I first came on to Owen, I mean the first thing I did was you know look at the budget and look at where we were investing in influencers. And it was the time where TikTok was starting to have its its moment and people were starting to pay attention that TikTok wasn't just for dancing. It was actually like a great platform for education, community, so much fun. And um, we decided, well, I, I looked at it and I said, let's just switch all of our influencer budget to TikTok, everything. Um, and let's just spend there and we can get a lot more for our money and we can work with nano influencers and have, you know, for an example, instead of having three influencers talk about you for the month of February, you could have 30 for the same price. And you still have the same number of impressions, more, more impressions. And 
you know, the one thing you're, you might've been missing at that time, cause it was before TikTok had like its stars, you're missing that, like that, like, you know, star appeal, which is what like the Instagram influencers, I, I would say they still have that. And, um, so it's definitely a choice, but, um, yeah, we brought everything over to TikTok and, um, it's been great. I mean, we're, we're again, like, we, oh, and we're constantly testing, we're constantly reiterating um, and, and changing things up and and pushing, you know, the status quo, like, can we do this better? Can we change it? But right now we're really taking advantage of TikTok's, you know, incredible algorithm where it's like it reads your mind and it knows. So we're actually focusing not our entire strategy, but, a, a, you know, I'd say 50% of our strategy is focused on um, medical, different medical and health challenges. So what we're doing is we have like um, our influencer marketing manager has a list of um, all of the different medical concerns. She just, I mean, she has it in, in her brain too, but she has it on like top of mind right there from our in-house registered dietitian. She has all of the different, you know, health challenges that Owen can work with, whether it's again, IBD, Crohn's, colitis, PCOS, um, autoimmune, a nut allergy, um, kidney disease, um, bariatric surgery recovery, and she has a full list and then the products that will work with, with, you know, with whatever the challenge is. And then she's reaching out to creators that are speaking on their platforms about this specific concern. Because we all know, like, for example, if you're trying to renovate a house, all of a sudden your entire TikTok feed is about renovating a house. You're trying to get better at Excel, your whole TikTok is, you know, how to get better at Excel, um, you know, investing, so anything. So, so, you know, we've really leaned into that and began like, definition of marketing, right message, right customer, right time. So we, you know, the TikTok algorithm does a great job with that. And, you know, one thing that you are, um, you know, you're getting these great videos, you're getting people that are genuinely helping other people by saying, hey, I have this concern. If you're getting this video, you probably do too. Here's a solution. Um, so it's been, it's been great for us. And I'll, I will say the one thing that you could potentially lose, and again, you have to, there's, depending on your budget, you can do both. And there's many facets to marketing. But the one thing that you could potentially lose is your, you might lose that flashy appeal where like if you work with the biggest and the hottest and the coolest, you know, Instagram creator right now, like that's flashy and everyone thinks it's amazing. And TikTok is a little more, you know, you're reaching the right customer, but you might not be getting that star power. So again, it's either a choice if you have limited budget or it's do both and both of them do different things. So it's really just, you need to decide how they play together or which one you're going to prioritize if, if you don't have the budget to do both. What does your process look like for um, for like creative briefing? Cause I know one thing you said was the, the medical component and what you guys do and the problems that you guys solve for are so important to the brand. So when it comes to like, and, and earlier in our conversation, you said how important it was to make sure you have unified messaging to your, you know, your stores and your points of retail, et cetera. So in a way, creators, you want to make sure that they're you're giving them the right ingredients to succeed as well. Obviously, they know their audience best. They know how to create the content. But as it pertains to like creative briefs and making sure that they have the right information to create great content, do you guys have a, a strategy in place or how do you guys think about that? Yes, absolutely. And because we're dealing with um serious medical challenges, our briefs are all approved by our in-house registered dietitian. So we will never recommend a product to a creator that, you know, isn't right for them. And that's all been approved by someone who 
not a nutritionist. It's not a health coach. It's someone who, you know, went to, has a, has a degree in, you know, is a registered dietitian and um, can look over those briefs and ensure that our information is correct. And then, yes, of course, we have a brief, um, like, you know, we talked earlier about the name. So Owen, a lot of um, creators, if you don't tell them how it's pronounced, they'll they'll pronounce it wrong, which, you know, it's not a big deal. Like if someone wants to call it um, own, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it is Owen. That's what we call it as our brand. So that's part of the brief, for example, um, you know, making sure that um, it's like the it's mirrored. So right now it's backwards. So um, making sure the logo the logo shows up correctly. Um, it, again, like small details. Going back to the Red Bull example, small details, but huge because we're not Pepsi, we're not Coke. People don't know our logo that you know we haven't been around for for so long. So like little details like that about making sure your camera is mirroring the product is is key. Um, you know, and then like how, how, you know, how you should film the video. We're not super, I've seen some influencer briefs, um, from different companies and, you know, right down to the color shirt that, that the creator should be wearing. It's like so prescriptive. It's like, there's a list of words you cannot say. So I think there's some brands like don't ever say, I can't remember the example, but we, we don't quite have that. And, and, you know, perhaps that goes back to what I was saying earlier about like empowering our consumer. Our goal is to make our consumer feel like the hero. Our ultimate, like our ultimate interaction, like our, our ultimate goal of an interaction when a, con when a customer picks up the, the brand or, you know, the shake for the first time is to feel proud that they found this product and to say, wow, I'm so, I'm so proud of myself. Like, look how cool this brand is. Look how clean it is. Look, it has no, and I think, you know, when I, I do the same thing when I'm shopping, when I only buy, you know, certain products without, without certain additives or, you know, certain foods that are raised a certain way, or, you know, it's like a proud moment and it's, it's making the customer feel like a hero. It's not like we are the celebrity brand and we're preaching onto them. Like same thing with our email marketing, we go back to unified messaging. Our influencer briefs are similar to that where we're not you know, acting like this celebrity that's kind of preaching on to you. And I think that's rare in our space, you know, um, again, like if we're, if we're sending it to a creator that's speaking about a medical challenge, we want them, we want to hear it from them. We want them to say, this is a challenge that I've had with like kidney disease or IBS, whatever, uh, my nut allergy. And we want it to come from them, um, empowering them rather than just like preachy and, you know, making people feel bad preying on insecurities, which is like, if you look at other supplement brands, kind of what they do. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think the way that you guys think about unifying across all these different channels, but in, in each way that respects the channel's integrity and the brand's integrity is, is super, super important. And I know that's a lot of things that, you know, that you've been able to see through experience and bring that to this brand. And a lot of founders may have to like learn that the hard way. So for, for anyone listening, like th this is like a great way to think about it, that everything really is connected and, and, but at the same time, staying true to, to the channel. So, um, kind of, as we wrap up here, I just wanted to kind of get a, a check on what you're most excited about in the upcoming year for Owen. You guys are clearly growing you're in a ton of different retail locations you've got your first party data coming in through dtc and you're using that to inform a lot of 
your decisions as well. You guys are on Amazon. You guys are looking at different ways of engaging with creators, with different ways of doing in-person activation. So like, there's a lot, obviously, when it comes to growth. Um, what are some of the the big things that you're excited about coming up in the in the next year? Yes. I mean, I wish I could share with you the innovations we're working on right now. It is an exciting week. Um, we are testing out, you know, maybe some new, maybe a new line, maybe a new product line, maybe some new flavors. Um, if anyone's going to Expo West, you will see it there. Um, hopefully this will air before then so people can check it out. But yeah, we're going to be releasing some new innovation next year. I mean, that's like a marketer's dream. That's like the, the most fun thing to do, um, especially when you're obsessed with the category. But then outside of that, um, yeah, I mean, going back to our medical roots, we're growing our medical marketing this year. So, you know, we have great relationships with different uh, doctors and medical professionals at prestigious institutions. Um, and we're going to be growing that this year and making, you know, um, a key investment in our medical marketing. Um, you know, retail, we talked about it, super jazzed about what we can do this year in retail. I'm going to be leaning into the more, um, quote unquote, traditional retail marketing and maybe sitting it's on a, spinning it on its head and seeing how we can add some flair to that. But that'll be big. Can't underestimate the simple things, um, mm -hmm. good merchandising, good point of sale, um, and then, you know, growing our subscriptions, we didn't talk too much about that, but, you know, about half of our business, um, Amazon and D2C combined is um, subscription based. And I mean, who doesn't love a subscription customer <laughs> as a marketer? I mean, there's so many opportunities there and um, yeah, growing that is, is a lot of fun, really leaning into that data. Um, it's something we're going to be doing a lot of this year. So, um, yeah, busy year, exciting times. Absolutely. And for anyone who's listening that um, is interested in learning more about Owen or connecting with you, why don't you give a shout out to your socials if you have any, as well as um, where we can find you and Owen? Sure. Um, you can find Owen at Live Owen, um, where it's L-I-B-E-O-W-Y-N, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, and then for my personal channels, I'm Julia Perez with three Z's on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Julia. We learned a ton and can't wait to see how Owen continues to grow and all the initiatives that you guys are leading in the next year. Uh, so congrats on that. And thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you. This is so much fun. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.